Welcome everybody. This is Deconstructing the Psyche, a podcast talking about movies from a psychological perspective. Exactly. Uh, Michael Breesh, your host, and with me is my co-host, Eamon Benavides. Yeah, Concepts. Eamon, yeah, Concepts. AKA. <laughs> I'm Psyche Matters. If, uh, if you're not in the know, you're in the know now. <laughs> And um, yeah, so this is something we're going to start doing. I think we're going to try to do this on a weekly basis. Where we're going to talk about different movies that we like and talk about them from a psychological point of view. Exactly. We're gonna talk Whatever about- that might mean. I don't really know what that means, but we'll maybe figure it out as we go. Yeah, we're going to give you a summary of our thoughts of the movie from a psychological perspective, possibly breaking down the characters. Or the plot of the film, really, you know, seeing what we, you know, like or dislike about the film, critiquing it in a way, and possibly just deconstructing part of the film, you know, the yeah. characters as well. Break it down, yeah. go into depth. Um, so this will be fun. We'll see how it goes. We don't know what this is going to look like yet, but I guess that's the beauty of it. Exactly. So we picked, I think um, you picked. We picked, uh, both agreed upon, uh, Vanilla Sky, right? Yeah. And that is a psychological thriller. Tom Cruise is a star, right? Cameron Diaz, Penelope Cruz is in it. Cameron Diaz, man. Amazing. <laughs> she was great in that movie. You thought so. I thought I, she was kind of psycho in that I lo- Yeah, I loved it. Okay, why? What were you used to seeing Cameron Diaz as was this... Mask. During yeah. that era, it was a mask. But she was like a Barbie doll, almost, you know? And this movie was very different. She she played that so well. She did. And to me, she seemed like if I were to diagnose the character, it would be a borderline personality type. Something like that. Right. The anger. But the anger when she just picks up Tom, drives him off a bridge, tells him. Tells him, look, you had sex with me four times. That means something. And Tom is playing it off like, no, it means nothing. Okay, Michael, here's a question I have right away. When she said four times having sex, do you really think that that's what they meant or that what should have been said in the movie but wasn't is that she had four orgasms? (laughs) Because I think that four orgasms would be something that a woman would remember much more than having sex four times because like you could have sex four times and the guy is just kind of doing his own thing and it doesn't mean anything whereas four orgasms that's that's memorable and they even have a line in there where it's like two is like good three is great and four is like something else so i'm wondering if that's what really was supposed to be the line in that movie was that she had four orgasms Maybe because it was weird for her to be saying you, yeah. you had sex. It's like four times. It doesn't mean it's not as meaningful mm-hmm. because it's just sex. Yeah, but it in, could be in right? that context though. She's idealizing the guy, which was crazy. It's out of nowhere. I just thought. I mean that that line, she was very connected to him, right? Well, yeah, sexually. He even claims at one point that she's a stalker when he's talking to Penelope Cruz, right? And before that became like a dream. Mm-hmm. He actually was joking around with Penelope saying, hey, I have a woman behind me who is a stalker. Yeah. Penelope's like, who? That woman looks sad. And someone who is infatuated with him. Right. And then 
you know, it's that woman looks sad, the one holding the martini. Yeah. You know, that to me seems... It seems like Tom doesn't care about Cameron to speak about her in that way. Oh, well, that's a big part of this movie. No, for real, sure. he has no real consequences to his behavior. Mm-hmm. And they talk about that a lot yeah. about consequences and the implications of your behavior and what that means to other people. Right. Yeah. One of the things that struck me was it, you know, Batman's story, Batman, his parents are murdered in front of him. Mm-hmm. By whomever was it, the Joker? There is a little bit of the Batman, yeah, pre-story vibe in uh, yeah. Tom Cruise's character, right? Yeah, there was. His parents die because they get run over by a teen, yeah, right, a drunken teen, which is sort of an injustice. But rather than Tom showing any remorse about that or mm. saying I'm going to go up, start a coalition against drunk driving, he ends yeah. up becoming that that be- reckless teenager. Actually, he ends up becoming sort of that reckless teenager. To me, it sort of reflects that he doesn't care. He still lives that carefree playboy lifestyle, while also now being given the reins to his father's kingdom. Yeah, you make a really good point. And but the thing is, I feel like Penelope Cruz stands at the as that woman that some men find that help men grow up. And while Cameron Diaz was a reflection of the playboy that he, you know, guy that he was, a woman that he's not taking too seriously, just having sex with, right? And for her to say that, the line, which is, you had sex with me four times. Or gave me four orgasms. Yeah, but she said four, in the movie, she says, you had sex with me four Mm -hmm. times. For a guy, it's like four times having sex with you means nothing. Okay, yeah. yeah you mean if you gave a woman four orgasms, it might not mean anything to the man. Yeah, but still, it's like it doesn't mean anything. But for Cameron, even sex four times or whatever, yeah, I thought that it doesn't go. Because it's like four times having sex, it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, but for her, she found meaning in the encounter with him. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But I, I think one of the things that you're starting to hit on with the stuff about Tom Cruise character, David Ames and what happened to his parents, which is essentially contents of his unconscious mind. Right. So this, this, this movie for me is all about the unconscious mind and what it's supposed to be doing and how it's operating. And so you're, you're getting at, this guy is not, he has not allowed the memories of these tragic events to be processed and he has stored them into his unconscious. And so that's part of the reason that he doesn't realize that he's actually living out the life of the person who killed his parents. Cause you're saying that his parents were killed by a drunken teenager is that what it was yeah that's, that's what it was. i don't remember that specific detail but that the fact that he ends up driving the psychologist is the one who says it okay and psychologist okay. and his dream okay and that's the unconscious so yeah. he's yeah so that we have to get we have to get to that at some point but yeah. he's he's not realizing how he's reliving what he doesn't trip. want to face that would be a trip what if he's the one who ran over his parents well i'm not saying that that's what he did but uh, part of what the movie's talking about too is how we end up seeing certain people within other people 
and that people take on roles that have had the same roles as other people have had in our lives and that situations kind of play themselves out in mirrors of past situations as well objects yeah people are often mirrors of ourselves so the unconscious is doing that it's whatever you haven't addressed in your unconscious acts itself out without you realizing that it is yeah and so he's not realizing that he ended up becoming the person who destroyed his family and probably has led to a lot of the repression and stuffing down of contents in his life but when you say destroyed his family i don't know if he's destroyed his family he's destroyed his family's legacy well i'm saying the i'm saying the person who killed his parents destroyed oh he family. ends up becoming that taking on the role of the because yeah. if you if if you were like really intact and you understood and processed through everything in your life right you wouldn't allow yourself to become that person You'd separate yourself from that person. You couldn't become. You wouldn't. But that's the same thing. It's with that. It would be like, yeah, but Batman. you have to. You, you have to find something to stop yourself from being that, becoming that person, because it's like that's who you hate. But Batman became like in a Batman movie. Batman yeah. became the bad guy. He actually same became thing. a vigilante. You become the thing that you hate. And though. David is that though. He is that yeah. uncaring, free will exactly. person. He's a grown ass. I think he's thirty three in the movie. With his own, he says his age. Mm-hmm. He's a grown man, mm-hmm. but he's acting like a carefree teenager. Even um, when he's driving the car, and they're almost having a car accident. Oh yeah, right? and then like, like in the early scene, right when he's with his friend, he's in the Mustang. Yeah, right, and he's driving, and then suddenly he picks up his friend. He's t- talking about having sex with Cameron, and how it's just a casual relationship. They're just uh, yeah nothing matters they're just casual casually encountering each other and he, i think he drops a cd or something he's not really caring and just loses control and almost gets hit by a truck and then they 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 survive they don't get hit but they're like celebrating like yeah we made it yeah it shows the same sort of carefree attitude until he met his love interest you know sophia penelope cruz and he wants to grow up yeah you know she's a i think she's a dental assistant what do you think is going on there? He's starting to like maybe try to wake up at that point, but not really. Well, according to the film, after the club and after the accident is when he's put in a cryogenic state. But before then, he meets her. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. At his party. Right. Like, what, what do you think it is about her and that night that makes him start to... He's projecting and goes back to the idea of the mirrors that you're talking about. Because even in, in, I guess, at one point of the dream, the IT person, right, Mm -hmm. is explaining to him that Sophia, at least in his dream, represented a maternal figure that he he would be attracted to. She represents romance. You know, at at one point in the film, they cut to a romantic figure of a woman, such as a doctor is representing a fatherly figure for him. Mm-hmm. Things that he actually wants in his life. I think human beings at some level in waking life has have an ability to recognize what our needs are. You know, yeah. what do I need from this other person? But sometimes we, when we find that other person, we project the other stuff to it too. Like the things that we haven't been taken care of, at least with our mother figure or our father figure. And I think maybe you get on this more, his interaction with her was he was 
interacting with her how you would typically interact with a woman, like playing games with her, being childish, you know, when he was sort of courting her in the beginning, right? Um, but then something happens towards the end. She breaks up with him. And I'm not quite sure, and this is where you get hit on, like, why does she break up with David? This is after the accident, right? When they're at the club, he's disfigured. She leaves him. Well, I mean, I think he's still trying to live in the past at that moment. He still didn't grow up. Yeah, but he's also, like, talking about the first night that they met, and he's trying to recreate whatever magic they had that night. And she's like, this is weird, you know, because he's... He's not in the moment anymore. He's in the past. Yeah. And he, he he hasn't been able to move on, obviously, from his accident. He hasn't yeah. been able to move on from the trauma. I think it freaked her out. Wait, he hasn't been able to move on from the trauma. Yeah. The first trauma would have been his parents. No, oh, I mean, it's all accumulating at that point, yeah. you know. But David, I think it's hitting on the same thing. where He's living in the past. The first traumatic event was the loss of the parent. Now he's taking on this sort of role of being like this carefree kid without, you know. And then now, again, he has another traumatic event, another car accident when he almost died. You know, it's interesting, car accidents, right? He almost dies. He becomes disfigured, right? Mm -hmm. He's not himself anymore. And he's still trying to be that person who he was before the accident. I think sometimes what happens with people is when there's something traumatic, they try to they stay stunted yeah. you know they don't grow from that we see that with people who are addicts yeah they use at a certain age and they function at that same age level because that was when i guess they had sort of that heightened sense of attention i think david was having yeah. that sort of confidence before yeah they don't adapt he didn't anymore. adapt i think brian his friend brian right mm-hmm. was the loser before but then david became the loser yeah. After he got disfigured, he no longer had his good looks to rely upon. Brian was actually the good looking one now. Yeah, the the appearance thing is something that stuck out to me in this movie for sure, in that it seems like David's life pre accident is one of everything has just been given to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like There hasn't been anything that he's actually needed to work for in his life. His appearance, his money, his legacy, his popularity, everything is all handed down, right? And I I think that you could look at this from the perspective of, oh, well, that's just wealthy people or attractive people or whatever. I think you can apply this to every single person, actually, in that we're all provided a certain set of circumstances that we are born into and we have no choice over. And I think that part of what this movie is talking about is how do you break out of whatever you were born into and whatever your predisposition is, so to say. Yeah. And how do you wake up from that? And that oh, yeah. your your life that you are born into, that's what they're talking about when they're talking about the dream. Because the dream is unconscious. Yeah. The unconscious is a dream. If you read The Hero with a Thousand Faces, this is what it talks about. 
it's the same exact thing. Your dream is unconscious. Your unconscious is the dream. So every time they talk about in this movie that you're dreaming and you need to wake up from your dream, it means that you're trapped within your unconscious mind. And that unconscious mind is what controls us for much of our life before you're able to wake up from whatever you're born into, the life that you're given. It's sort of like we've talked about Plato's cave, uh-huh. and David isn't even it, he isn't Plato's cave until he actually had the accident. And the accident should have been a moment for him to actually wake up. Sophia, I think, represented that He's person. Trying to. Yeah, but she represented that person that would have brought him out of that because she represented the opposite of what he was. That's an interesting point. And it makes sense, too, because you know what Sophia means. What does that mean? The name? The word? Yeah, I know it has a meaning for it. I forget. Yeah, well, what does philosophy mean? Do you know the breakdown of the word philosophy is? So it's philo or phila and Sophia, lover of wisdom. So Sophia is another name for wisdom. And so that's a good point that you make is that Mm -hmm. she's trying to lead him out of unconsciousness. But she doesn't even in the dream. She's trying to lead him out of ignorance. She is trying to take him into the light in a sense. And she it's not just like how she maybe like what she's doing in the movie with him, but it's also her who she is. Yeah. She's a person who's like grounded into reality more. She's somebody who is like living. She's spontaneous and she's energetic and she's interested and like that's the thing that's like fascinating about her character and i think why the men are like attracted to her too Mm -hmm. is because she has like a childlike nature to her not in a bad way and more of like a uh pure innocence in some sense and it's like that's what's it's like trying to bring him there almost he's like hey come this way you know so you got to then maybe think about that scene where he does leave her apartment and Cameron Diaz is waiting down there in the car and it's like, which way do you want to go? Yeah, that, You want to go, you want to keep going towards wisdom or do you want to go the other way? Well, what did he choose? I mean, it shows you that if you choose, at least in the film, the other way, you go back to your old patterns, old yeah. behaviors. Yeah. There actually might be a moment of what do you call that a breakdown right an actual moment of suffering i guess um he actually had the accident when he chose to go with her yeah and it seemed like it was calm in the beginning it seemed like i think this really talks about a pattern in life when you choose the old pattern of behavior you believe everything is going to be fine and then things it isn't yeah well she was fine until they were driving and they were getting more into it Mm -hmm. and you just see things getting worse and he starts freaking out she just starts telling him you did this to me and it seems like okay now there are consequences to his behavior because she's going crazy over him getting angry with him says she loves him she's out of control boom dry off the bridge he's like let me out let's go to your house he's trying every tactic he can to try to convince her to stop and then boom yeah I feel like Sophia, for him, also represents in waking life. You mentioned it before, waking life and in the dream, a way to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, at what point does he actually see 
that there is a way out only until the end of the film when he's actually dead does he see okay now i can leave all right so let me get back to this question so what do you think is going on in the lucid dream like what do you think that is supposed to be representing so the lucid dream is essentially when he splices and he enters into some dream state with Sophia. That's where she finds him on the street and she picks him up mm-hmm. and they have like the vanilla sky background and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of like an idealistic <clears throat> paradise in some way. What do you think that, what do you think is going on? Cause that's basically, it's from that point all the way up until the end of the movie that he's in the lucid dream. So what do I think is going on? And then he has to jump off the building to make the decision. So what do you think is, what do you think that is? Like what, what's the point of that part of the movie? I think that that part of the movie, I think that could be for me what a man would be representing in his daily life, right? Right. Not confronting the unconscious and pretending to be in a life that's cookie cutter and real, like a vanilla sky type of way, like a Monet type of life. So it's representing what real life would be like for him mm. if he didn't become disfigured. So he's not confronting the unconscious. He never wanted to, you know, he yeah. never wanted to. He was like, fuck it. I'm like, my face is scarred up. I'm gonna go and put this prosthetic on. I don't yeah. want people to see me for what I am. Yeah. And then, you know, then that happened and he's like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't like it. She left me. I'm sad. I don't want to exist. Let me go exist in this new world. Yeah. You know, and that's what he did. He existed in this new reality where nothing hurts him. The pain, one of the greatest things he had, his greatest assets, mm-hmm. is gone, which is his vanity. Mm-hmm. The thing that, what was the purpose of losing the arm? Why would they make that a thing? His arm needed to be reconstructed. What? What is it? Was it the right arm? I don't know. But it was an arm, and if it's a one arm that is dominant... And that's taken from you. It's like a bird who broke its wing. Mm. What happens when a bird breaks his wing? They can't fly anymore. Yeah. He doesn't have the ability to fly. Yeah. And the idea of being imprisoned, I think, is that as well. He, I think in his life, he felt imprisoned. That's why he wanted to be free, imprisoned under his father's sort of empire, his father's sort of thing. I mean, maybe this yeah. man, what he really wanted was a mother, a maternal figure, love from a woman, and he wanted even love from his father. But you could also say, and I think they allude to this during several parts of the movie, is that maybe part of that prison is the mind itself. Yeah. And that, so it's also the un- the unconscious mind and things that you've been programmed to believe or to act in a certain way. And that's what your prison is. That's his prison, but then... the him getting hurt, him losing his arm, uh-huh. right, made him go further into his prison rather than help him become yeah. free from his well, prison. And so, but why why is that happening? It's you got to think about this guy pre accident. He it's kind of like what we're saying he's not he's not really trying to live. He's not doing anything. No. He's just like going along. With emotions, and he has everything that's given to him, and he doesn't have to fight for anything. He's a free spirit. He doesn't have to fight for sure. anything. He just has to live. But what happens when he loses everything? Then, 
you come back to reality. You're supposed to come back to reality. Yeah, but that's so reality is when you're grounded. But his reality is that you don't try. Yeah. So then what what is his natural function when you don't try? You become angry. So that little boy who used to be the one free flowing now becomes angry and rebellious and wants to say, "Fuck you, mom. I want to go back to what life was so like gives before." Up. Yeah. But that's because of his un- the unconscious programming. That's because of his anger, right? Well, he's angry that he's not getting his way anymore. Yeah, the doctors can't find a way yeah. to cure him. Yeah, we can, they can reconstruct his arm. He's like, fuck the arm. I want my face done. Yeah. It, like, we can't do anything about your face. We don't have the technology for it, which is one of the motivations he decides to say, I don't want to exist anymore mm-hmm. until later. That's like a little boy putting himself uh, in timeout. And that's literally, literally what he did. Yeah. Put himself in timeout until finally he can wake up to a time where, you know, he can get reconstructed. But by that point, he's not going to have the life he had previously because his money is going to run out. He's not. So you say use the word reconstructed, right? So what do you mean by that? His face. His face is. Is there more than that? Well, reconstruction and personality. How so? I don't think he can. A guy like that cannot reconstruct person. How a guy like that who is programmed by his conscious to be, I am free flowing. I can do whatever I want. I don't have to work for anything. Now wants to come and exist in a world where now he has to work for something. But doesn't he actually kind of say at some point that that's not what he wants anymore? What does he say? Well, Is it that at the last scene? I think he's at some point says this, like, this is a nightmare. I'm like, I want to get out of this. I don't want to be in this anymore. Okay. So is he realizing that... He has an epiphany in the lucid dream. There's some... Okay, yeah. And then that epiphany is what he needed to finally realize, let me break out of this pattern. This is what we want for any patient, right, who has a pattern. We want them... Okay, you're going exactly where I was hoping that you were going to go. Because you're talking about... This is like, it's therapy, right? Well, it is therapy. That's what the light, that's what... The dreams are often therapeutic if you actually listen to them. This is what I believe the lucid dream in this movie is. Yeah. It's a, it's a therapy session. Yeah. That took a hundred, apparently it took 150 years to complete. I think that's how long they say that he's supposed to be in there. Yeah, without any prompting. He, <laughs> he signed a contract yeah. for him to, to... These are some of the words that they use on the ad for the life extension. Renew, review, resolve. Oh. And I think there was like one other re. But there's a bunch of... And then they keep talking about this is a revolution of your mind. That's what they keep saying during the lucid dream. This is a revolution of your mind. Yeah. Your mind is seeing itself that's actually what they talk about when they talk about benny the dog and they're doing a they're doing like an interview on benny the dog and the guy who like created that program is that it's very it's very like you can barely hear it but he says we're trying to have man meet his mind yeah that's what are you doing? You're being trapped in an prison of your mind, and that's what he's doing. He's being confronted with the unconscious, with his unconscious, continuously. No wonder there's a mouth. he can't he can't get away from it. That's why in one scene they're like, "Okay, what's the last thing you want?" And they're like, "You could read my mind. You know what I want." 
and they give her, you know, they give him the, his love interest at the mm. end. And it is one giant, it is one giant therapy session, though. He's continuously confronted with the unconscious, right? But there's also prompts. People are actually watching him confront yeah. his unconscious and prompting probably the people. They're trying to guide him, guide him yeah, the way that he needs to go. Guide him to finally leave. And, and when he, so he starts to make that choice, right? He's like, okay, I don't want to be in this anymore. It's a nightmare. But that feels like purgatory too. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, He's in between lives. Yeah. He is awaiting his second life. That's what they, that's what it's life, life two, life part two. That's what the LE was supposed to be. But we're, I think it, you could easily read this movie as the lucid dream is where you stay. And I think what we're getting at and where he makes that decision at the end to jump is that the lucid dream is an in-between state. Yeah, purgatory in between both. For you to bridge. And what you're doing there is you're fixing yourself. You're working on yourself. And they even say in that last scene that when he's like, oh, there's been a lot of weird stuff happening. The guy, the... um, technician or whatever Mm -hmm. he's like there was a glitch in the system tech support but it got fixed the glitch is him Mm -hmm. the glitch is david or his mind they had to fix the glitch that's what they were doing they're not they're not like stating it outright that's what david needed after the accident he actually needed therapy and that's what he did he got a full-on therapy session with a real therapist yeah. But then exploring his relationship. He needed to deal with his dad issues. Yeah. He needed to deal with his aimlessness. Mm-hmm. That's even funny that his name is Ames. Yeah. He has no aim. Yeah, he has no aim. He needed to do confront the fact that he killed somebody, mm-hmm. basically. Like he led to that Cameron Diaz's death. Yeah. He had to kind of deal with everything, yeah. you know? He had guilt. Oh yeah, uh, over her death, right? For sure. And he didn't care before about her until afterwards. I think part of what they're doing in that in the lucid dream too is they're therapizing him. They're therapizing him, but it's constructed from images of his childhood, and that's what's like flashing before his eyes as he's jumping off of the the building. Is all these images from his life. That's what happens when you're, you know, a person is dying or or letting go of a relationship or anything like that. You're going to get images of past, past events until you finally start to, the mind literally starts to let go. Yeah. It starts to purge those events so you can wake up anew. But the, the images are, uh, are what structure his mind. Those are what are those are his memories informing him of like what life is supposed to be yeah. or what it's supposed to look like and how he's supposed to be. And so that's the controlling factor. You know, his unconscious controlled everything about him. And that was what he needed to he needed to confront too, and he needed to make those images more explicit mm-hmm. so that they weren't dominating anymore 150 years is interesting too because that's i think sometimes that's sort of a life sentence Mm -hmm. some people get i think maybe old school get like 150 years yeah you know it's a full-term life sentence and people don't always 
you know, make it. That I think he put himself in that cryogenic state as a form of punishment. You think that he did it to himself? You mean? Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. He, Maybe. I mean, that's a that's the interesting thing because we don't see him ever talk to the people in like what is considered reality mm-hmm. before he kills himself. Yeah. We don't know what that discussion was like. Yeah. And we don't know what they agreed to in the contract. Those are all implicit but That's what I'm saying. It ideas. Could, it could have all been a dream. Because at the end of it he's like, wake up. Sure, but I think what you're talking about is much more interesting in the sense of there's a lot there's a lot that could have gone on in those meetings about like what is the purpose of the lucid dream and like why are you doing this and like maybe even that idea that he is sentencing himself (laughs) to some type of purgatorial prison Mm -hmm. because like i deserve this and i need to do this to reclaim my soul in some sense then yeah that goes to show then when a person could pass away they actually have to confront the unconscious before they die too and sometimes there's sort of the decision that one makes about, okay, what have I done in my life? Have I, you mm. know, crossed the T's and dot the I's? Have I cut all, you know, tied all the loose ends? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like David needed to type all the loose ends. And one of the things he needed to deal with was that death that's on his hands. If it wasn't for him, she would have lived. But he was playing with her saying she's my stalker he treated her as a stalker and treated her as she became that person for him yeah and while he's trying to get into another relationship with this other woman who he didn't see as a stalker he saw her as healthy and not a crazy woman yeah but he also didn't really know who she was obviously no he i so he has this idea of idealizing women yeah right oh idealizing them and dropping them Mm. isn't that borderline I mean, but she ends up being the borderline one. He would probably be more on the narcissistic end of things. Then okay, narcissistic. Yeah, they they mention the subconscious, the unconscious many times in this film. Yeah, and the fact that they're always trying to distinguish between dream and reality says that like this is a a purely psychological film. It seems like that's your life, though. Life is sometimes... Yeah, like, yeah. In real life, we sometimes are trying to distinguish between what is real and what is not real. Mm-hmm. What is my unconscious and what is my conscious sometimes? Okay. Some people react purely on impulse, but that's because the unconscious just takes over. Yeah. So apparently at the end, he's he's going back to reality, right? 150 years in the future. He wakes up. Yeah, but... But in a dream, you can live 150 years. I well, he apparently they're really he had been cryogenically frozen, which is apparently a thing. I don't know if that actually works where you could be thawed out, but the idea is that you can you're gonna like be the same age, but then you're gonna like progress to old age like any other person would be. You know, it's suspended animation. Yeah, but I'm what I'm wondering is so he he's going back to reality at the end, right? Why do we, why are we assuming that that's 
that that's true and that is reality. Like, what is it about what's changed for him corresponds with the notion that he's going back to reality? I mean, the only thing we can go off of is the fact that an IT person said if you take a leap off of this building mm. because you wanted it that way, mm. this will be you waking up from the stream. We can only go off on that as that yeah. being the, the only truth. Well, you got to add everything up, though, maybe. It's like, okay, so he he confronted the unconscious. He dealt with some of his fears, including the fear of heights, which was apparently the last one. He has to make a decision to not want to live in a dream any longer and to not be able to... Because they're, they're essentially offering him the... And so I read this on before I... I we came here today that the women, the two women that are talking to him in the office are representations of the devil, Hmm. not only because of their red hair, but they're offering him like they're offering him the option of like ignorant bliss. That's why we don't actually see him talking to them. But that this is what they're telling him at the end though. They're saying you can go, you can go back into this dream. Hmm. So you've experienced this and you, you kind of are figuring out like what the, what is actually going on. Well, you can go back if Mm -hmm. you want Mm -hmm. and you don't have to remember any of this Mm -hmm. and you can construct your life however you want. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about no pain, Mm -hmm. no suffering, no problems. We'll always be there to help you. You might argue that that is what the devil is offering you. He's offering you like, just forget about everything. Just act as if everything is okay and never deal with any pain in your life. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, well, maybe no. I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> maybe maybe that's not such a great thing. Right. And it's, that's, so I think that like at the end, he's he's that's another idea that he's returning to reality is because he's decided not to stay in the lucid dream and he's saying even though i'm gonna run out of money and even though i'm gonna look like how i looked after my accident i'm still willing to go back to that and to try and so maybe that's also a sign that whatever therapy he did actually worked Mm -hmm. because he's been able to reconstruct his mind and exit from his unconscious programming Mm -hmm that was telling him you can't do this and that you're not that you need everything to be done for you. And instead he's like, let me see what I can do for my life. And they ask him the question at the end too, is like, what is happiness for you? Mm. And I was like, well, maybe he has to figure that out by doing it and not allowing the unconscious to dominate him. And to, to determine what happiness is for him. So instead of the world determining it for you. He has to determine. He has to find it for himself. And maybe that's worth it for him. He's trying. At the end he wants to deal with that. Confront that. That's much that more. Feeling. Uh, he's realized somehow. Through that therapy. The lucid dream. That that's much more important. Is to face that. And to work for that as opposed to just having everything given to you. I feel like to me, because these technologies are not made, made yet. It's sort of, 
reincarnation. It's reincarnation. Okay. Like David is dealing with these unconscious processes. He sees under this state of suspended animation, right? And the idea is that for us, when we pass away, before we are reincarnated, in real life, we're supposed to work through these life lessons. Mm. But I think in this kind of philosophy in the film, David is working through that those lessons and the unconscious before he actually wakes up and yeah. is reborn again in life again. That's what the hero's journey is. Yeah, but he's wake, he is he is going to wake up. But I think if we take it for for what it is, without the scarring of the face, I think David's going to wake up again. But it's not going to be David anymore who's going to wake no. up as. He's going to wake up as person born into another yeah, life and and another life is not going to be david exactly. anymore because david actually died exactly. he's going to be born as born as a child not even suspended animation but just born again and you're talking about like hero the hero myth right now but that's what's going to happen he's going to be born again but it's not he's not going to be david he's this person who yeah. had these life experiences yeah. because in reality he's going to wake up and he's not going to remember anything He's actually going to wake up and he's going to have an archetypes of um, what a mother figure looks like, of what a father figure looks like, of what a best friend looks like, right? Of what vanity and the, the shit he dealt with in the prior life. Yeah. He's already dealt with that. So he's going to wake, wake up again as a person who's already worked through those traumas to live another life. Before he enters the lucid dream, that's the departure. Yeah. He has to like say goodbye to his old life. And that's uh, he's... That's unwillingly happening to him. He doesn't make that choice, actually. He has It's forced upon him. But he ends up deciding to leave. Once he enters the lucid dream, that's the initiation. That's when he has to... Well, this is the hero's journey. This is the three stages. And then wake up. That's the return. But we don't see any other return. We just see his eye, right? That would be a whole other movie, but we see his eye. <laughs> the return is never shown. I think there's meaning to the eye, though. The eye means life again. There's life in his eyes. Well, it's it's being seen through his vision now, too. It's like the the it's going through him. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They didn't show the eye of a child. They show the eye of an adult. Mm. You ever hear this idea that, oh, this person is an old soul or whatever? Yeah. This is really interesting, though, too, because if you think about the beginning of the film, what are the first shots of the film? Do you remember? No, him waking up. No, before that. First shots. First shots. I I only remember the woman's voice saying, wake up, David. Before that. What was it? It's just a a panning shot from up above of New York City. Ah, and all and it's like cutting in and out and it's buildings and it's the city and it's the park and it's all exterior right it's all from the outside what does that mean for you well contrast that to what we're just talking about Mm -hmm. so his life in the beginning it's all based on the outside Mm -hmm. it's all based on the on the shell it's all based on the persona it's all based off of the world that's constructed him for me the outside represents for me the outside matter the outside existence sure. until they all come together yeah until one thing and it becomes his existence yeah and so that at the end yeah. he's returning it's just the eye and the eye is also round like the circle which yeah. is the archetype of the self mm-hmm. and that's the totality mm-hmm. 
and there's a dot in the middle. Yeah. But and, it's sort of individuation. But then it's, it's no longer coming from the outside. It's all coming from the inside at that point. The yeah. eye is the, it's the eye is the locus of the, of the world now. Yeah. He's actually existing. I think at that point he reached that point where we want most, most of us wants to get to yeah. individuation where we've already dealt with our shit and yeah. we are looking at things for what they are. Yeah. And I think it, he gets to that point, but it takes that long. Yeah. So I don't know if he's really dreaming for 150 years too, right? Because in a dream, time doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, right? we, we're told this because of the movie and let's say it is 150 years because in time doesn't matter. The idea of purgatory, right? That you can spend 150 years in purgatory until you deal with you know your own issues mm-hmm. you, you're actually taught there this is what you have to deal with before you go to heaven or you go yeah. to hell right but he <clears throat> is sent back and i think he's sent back to some people believe that this is hell or this is heaven you're sent back to reality you're reincarnated into mm-hmm. this body so for me it's sort of leading into he got reincarnated or he starts to exist again mm-hmm. right he wakes up mm-hmm. you don't hear a child crying, you hear a woman saying, wake up, David, wake mm-hmm. up. Another maternal figure waking him up. Open your eyes. Open your eyes, yeah. Open your eyes to your new life. Yeah, and he opens his eyes. Yeah. And what does that mean? Now he's taking in the world, mm-hmm. right? He's taking in the world. But how does he look at the world now? He should be able to look at the world differently, like you were saying. Yeah. Because we're, we're taking it in, but we push out too. Sure. Yeah, it's fascinating, man. There's definitely a lot more to this movie than I thought before I watched it. I hadn't seen it for a long time. Yeah. I thought I thought it was interesting. I didn't think I would like it. Yeah. The, the one the, the lines that stand out to me were, oh, "We'll meet each other when we're both cats," mm-hmm. and the next life when we're both cats. I mean, that's definitely a re- reincarnation yeah. deal right there. It is reincarnation. We'll meet each other again when we're both cats. That is reincarnation. But is it physical reincarnation or spiritual reincarnation? I think because earlier I said he's born with the archetypes of what a maternal figure would be like in a paternal mm-hmm. figure. Yeah. I think it's physical reincarnation. Okay. I think he's born again, but he's born again grounded now. He's not, and the David, the rich David, actually died. Like we said, mm-hmm. this is going to be the new David. But he might not even be David anymore. Probably not. Some of what you were talking to me about, about him being born as like a child again, definitely makes me think about 2001 Space Odyssey. There's a, the end of the movie, there's a baby in space. You never watched 2001? Okay. Well, you're in for a treat for sure. There's like a baby floating in space at the end and it's supposed to be a star child, reborn man, the Superman you can read some Nietzsche in the in between, and okay. maybe that'll help. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it. But so was that line that stuck with me in the next life when we were both cats, and I always thought that was interesting because for me, it's sort of we're not going to be in a relationship in this life, but in the next one we will be. Mm-hmm. We'll meet again. Well, and then you got to think about it. If we're looking at Sophia not as a person, but as wisdom. It's like, well, maybe you'll have, maybe you'll, you'll have wisdom in your next life. Maybe we'll meet again. You'll meet with wisdom in your next life. 
and this life as this life ends so if he's reborn into this like new spiritual plane it's like well now maybe that's where wisdom comes in phenomenology of it Mm. really it's like you're born again with wisdom Mm. he has sort of this love for wisdom and even when he wakes up he kisses her before he wakes up Mm -hmm. this love and embracement of wisdom you know there's a fear the father figures afraid to lose him see that's existing now yeah you know and trust he's falling yeah you know He's able to trust himself now to take a leap of faith. Whereas before, I think he was afraid to break out of that mentality of being the playboy, of mm-hmm. existing in life. He was only confined and imprisoned by his previous life where he was supposed to be free, mm-hmm. but he was just confined by his own fears to really be an adult. Yeah. You know, now I think when he wakes up, he can actually be an adult. Mm-hmm. He's actually making the conscious choice to exist as an adult. Yeah. For sure. The fact is, you can't exist if you come back to reality as an adult. Yeah. Unless we we take into account that the cryogenesis is actually a true technology, which I don't think it was. Right. Yeah. He comes into life, yeah. but he has now yeah. these pre-built unconscious thoughts when he's waking up now, saying, "Okay, now you're ready for the next life. Yeah. You're ready to exist in the next life with yeah. the lessons you've learned. So when you become an adult." Yeah. You can and maybe, actually individuate. And maybe a big difference then too between staying in the lucid dream and waking up to reality is the need to take responsibility for your actions. And so in the lucid dream, that's not a requirement because it says anytime you have any distress, Car our IT. IT will be there to help you. Tech support, yeah. And so that's very similar to the life he had been living where seems like his money and his prestige and his good looks were able to get him out of any situation he wanted to get out of. And so the waking up to reality is that's no longer an option and you have to make decisions and you have to like live with the consequences. And it's like, are you willing to do that? You know, whereas before he wasn't, yeah, he had consequences and he took his life. Yeah. He tried to act like it wasn't his fault too when they get in the accident like he wasn't he had nothing to do with it you know mm-hmm. well i think this was fun this is uh michael breesh once again psyche matters and amen concepts and i uh, hope you enjoyed podcasts we'll be trying to put one of these up every week if possible and uh we'll see what movie we do next time maybe 2001 space odyssey maybe something else who knows looking forward to it all right man see you next time Bye.